Hey everyone, just wanted to provide a brief programming note. Uh, this episode is going to sound a little weird. We had some problem with our call recording software. So there are going to be moments where the audio drops out briefly. And there are also going to be some moments where the audio from myself and from Adam overlap. Um, and it's not that we're talking over each other. It's just the call recording software had some weird issue that we're trying to solve. So we didn't want to scrap this entire episode because most of the episode does sound good, but we wanted to let you know that there's not a problem with your audio. It's on our end and we are working to resolve it. So thank you so much for your patience and we hope you enjoy the episode. com senior editor Matt Goldberg, and with me is deputy editor Adam Chitwood. Today we will be talking about the 2019 Toronto or TIFF. So we came back from the festival last Thursday. We saw a bunch of movies, uh, and now we can actually talk about them in some detail. We will be telling you what we thought of films like Joker and Jojo Rabbit and Knives Out. Um, we'll also talk a little bit about what TIFF means for the Oscar race and try to put that in context about where things now stand. Uh, but before we dig into all that, we just want to give you a heads up. Today, we posted an article we've been working on for months now called The Essential 100, which is basically 100 movies that every f- serious film fan needs to see. And it's a list that's not about saying, oh, every other film is inessential, or, oh, you're only a good film fan if you've seen these, but more sort of a way to provide like a starting place for someone who feels overwhelmed looking at all the movies out there and saying, well, where do I begin? Where, you know, where, where do I begin with Kurosawa? Where do I begin with Italian cinema? Where do I begin with, you know, Golden Age of Hollywood? What, what do I do? It can be overwhelming, and so we all kind of put our heads together and kind of synthesized it down. And so we are going to have an episode next week to talk about that article more in depth uh, and sort of the process we put into putting it, putting that list together, some of the films on there, um, and sort of what it means to be a good film fan uh, and why that list is important and why we believed in it so much. And, and we really hope that you read it. The, it is live on the site, so you can read it now, Absolutely. Uh, but we'll be talking about it more in detail next week. Um, also, this is the first podcast this week. So today we're talking TIFF today. And then later this week, we will finally get around to talking about it. Chapter two, uh, which I think is fine because it keeps and we can at the box the spoilers office. and you'll so, have seen the movie. You know, so. People are seeing it. Uh, the, the, yeah, you'll the see the movie, or you don't. The reason care that this podcast this is late is because Matt <laughs> um, is an asshole, and he went to go hang out with Brad Pitt. <laughs> can can I t- can I say something about Brad Pitt? Uh-oh. I found a new reason to dislike Brad Pitt, and the reason is this: so Brad Pitt is handsome, successful, wealthy, and like just a really like a good actor, <laughs> and I'm like. Boy, I hope he's a big dummy, and he's not. <laughs> like, I wanted something to balance it out. Turns out Brad Pitt is, like, a major cinephile. Like, I went into the room, and the guy who was talking 
to previously, they were talking about cinematographers. So I'm like, oh, let's talk about Hoyt Van Hoytema because he's the one who shot Ad Astra. And he gets all excited, like talking about cinematographers. <laughs> so like Brad Pitt is like a movie nerd. And it's just like, that's my territory, Brad. <laughs> Stay out of my territory of everything. Can't you just let me have this? Headline. So I'm mad at Brad Pitt. <laughs> uh, but yeah, actually, in all seriousness, he was, he was a joy to talk to. Uh, Ad Astra is a fantastic film. Uh, so and the, my interview with Pitt should be on the site later today. Um, so I, I encourage you to check it out. We, we, I got eight minutes with him, which is longer than normal, uh, on camera interview. And yet still like only scratching the surface of all the things you could talk to, uh, to talk to Brad Pitt so about. Many Cause he's been, a, he's, he's been a movie star for a quarter of a century. Like that's, <laughs> I, I baked, yeah, I wasted it all on Troy. I waste. I was like, ah, uh, you know. The film well, let's I just really talk have, about the time that you were supposed Troy to star in the fountain. Zone, and I'm going to go about... with Troy. I love the fountain, yeah. but like, I don't know. Like, that, there's only so many things you can talk about in an eight minute span. I would have loved to have talked about that. Uh, if I ever interview Aronofsky, that's like, what does that version yeah. of the fountain look like? How does it differ? How much does it resemble <laughs> the graphic novel that he released? Um, anyway, that's a whole different tangent. Now we're talking about Tiff. And, uh, I guess we should just, if you're listening to this program, you probably care about Joker because <laughs> it's like, it's, it's, it's already kind of consuming the discourse a bit. And I guess we'll have a, we'll have an episode just on Joker when yeah. that happens. Cause there's a lot to talk about and I don't want to like go into like spoilers or anything about it, but you know, we, we were at TIFF, and while we were at TIFF, Venice announces <laughs> that thing. they've given their top award to Joker. And we're like, that's weird. <laughs> and not not necessarily weird that's in that, weird like, we're that biased did. against also the Joker. Gave, like, a because Venice, the, uh, first of all, <laughs> rarely do American films win that award. Uh, and the American films that have won that award are, like, Roma and The Shape of Water. So, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, or I guess I meant like and Roma's not films, an American but yeah, film. Yeah, Roma's so not an American go. film, and I can't remember like there was another American film that won, but it's kind of few and far between. So, like for it to go to Joker <laughs> was right. Mm-hmm. It was just yeah, it was surprising. So you know, and then Joker like the, the first wave of reviews had already hit because it played at Venice. And that's when the embargo lifted. But a lot of people didn't get a chance to see it until, uh, and when I say a lot of people, I meant a lot of like critics, uh, really didn't get a chance to see it until Toronto. Like we, that morning we went to go see Ford yeah. and Ferrari, which was back to back with Joker and peers at Toronto. Like they were ready. <laughs> like as we were exiting the theater for Ford v Ferrari, they're like, for Joker, go left, go left. You that like they they knew they had two theaters devoted to it. They knew it was going to fill up. Um, so credit to them for for making it a smooth process because both I think both theaters were packed uh, for people writing to see Joker because it looks like oh it's, it's gonna it's you know it's a big movie it's ba- it's kind of like in a weird way the best and the worst of both worlds. It's you have. Uh, it's based on a popular IP. It's Batman, but it's also artsy. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> now it's going to be controversial and get people talking. But it's also from the director of The Hangover. So there's that. But it's also Joaquin Phoenix, one of our greatest <laughs> actors. What is this movie? And the movie is yeah 
fine. Okay, I guess. It's whatever. Like, I think it's kind of a nothing burger. I really do. I think it's a film that doesn't have the courage of its convictions. I just don't. I, I, and again, we'll get more into this in our Joker episode when, when the film is released. Cause I, I, I feel like if we're talking about this film and you haven't seen it, and then it's sort of like, we're just describing something that you can't participate in. But I would just say like for all the fear and trepidation and the discourse that people are, you know, you know, heaving onto this film, yeah, my, the film, my there's not much Joker there. Take there. Was that I really had it's no like kind of like a tempest in a teapot. Um, I think Joaquin and Phoenix gives a fantastic performance. I think the craft of the film is really impressive. The cinematography by Lawrence Shear uh, is really cool, and I'll hopefully be interviewing him uh, relatively soon. So look for that on Collider.com. Uh, the score I thought was really impressive, um, and even like the shot composition and of you know, the narrative from Todd Phillips was, you know, it's not bad thing. drama like it's much more akin to taxi driver than it is to any other superhero comic book movie and if you are like a comics uh like stalwart someone who is very adamant that things be more like comics if you are mad about like a character's hair in a marvel movie or their suit not being the right kind uh, you're probably not gonna love this movie because <laughs> it essentially is just todd phillips doing whatever he wants with uh just just the idea of Joker and that world. I mean, it's set in Gotham City. Uh, we know Thomas Wayne is a character in the film, but it's it's really just kind of using those recognizable names, but making its own original kind of standalone origin story. For right. Joker. And yet I feel the film's biggest flaws is a standalone sur- story in service of nothing. Like it's, yeah. it, it, it feels both like, oh, we're breaking away from what you think you know about Joker and – to really just be kind of like, hey, Todd Phillips, like the movies of Martin Scorsese, but you can't make those kind of movies today unless you make it under a popular IP like, you know, Batman. So this is this weird ass compromise where the film isn't really about anything, but it gets to pretend like it is. And it's just not like it's it's, it's a film where. Like, if you look like a, at a film like King of Comedy, like King of Comedy, I can tell you, like, what that movie is about. That film is about celebrity, obsession, um, and the limitations of, you know, talent and what we demand from celebrities, uh, especially when our own talent is not that impressive. It, it really is a film that's kind of, a, like, very sharply tuned into celebrity culture, that means, um, and sort of the intersection it has with, like, mental health. And Joker is not that. Joker is kind of like, maybe society is the problem. Or maybe he's just nuts. Like, it's it's a film that is constantly trying to have it both ways. Um, there will be an article close when, when the film is released about how the ending, I think, is particularly trying to have it both ways. And instead, where, where it looks like it's going for ambiguity, it just constantly just finds ambivalence problem like i i said to you as we were walking out i feel like todd phillips got it like maybe 70 percent there but it's just not completely what it 
thinks it is or wants to be. Uh, it's a little too, it's kind of like, oh, I'm just asking questions and I'm just kind of provoking these little things. But, and I, I mean, you and I saw all the, all the reactions that were like, this is a genuinely dangerous film and it's going to incite people to do things because they're going to take it the wrong way. Uh, but my takeaway from the film was that it, it just wasn't even strong enough in, in terms of like, okay, why is this guy doing this or what is spurring him to do with this or what are the larger issues of society that are spurring him to do this? Um, and in that way, honestly, I hate to bring the comparison up, but it's not dissimilar from The Dark Knight Rises and that it's kind of thematically like, what about this and what about that? And doesn't really land, doesn't really stick the landing in that way. Right. Um, but all that being said, I mean, I think you and I both agree, like Joaquin is fantastic and the craft of the film is really good. So it's not this movie that I'm going to come out with some, I, I didn't come away with some extreme opinion on it. Like, I don't hate this movie. I don't love this movie. If it was not called Joker, I'd probably forget it existed in like a year or two other than it being like, oh, that was a pretty good Joaquin Phoenix performance. Yeah. I mean, again, I think part of the intense interest for this film comes because it's the the Batman IP. That's what it is. Like, because it is called Joker. Um, and and, and I, the reason that I know this is because I saw a film last year with Joaquin Phoenix playing a violent person with the degenerating, you know, mental health. And it was called You Were Never Really Here. And it was amazing. And no one fucking saw it. So, <laughs> you know, people love brands. That's what they love. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it reminds me of like last year at uh, TIFF, there was also Sisters Brothers, where Joaquin Phoenix played a kind of perfectly normal, fairly normal individual. Although I guess he was pretty violent in that movie too. But yeah, I I just think that like it, it's the Batman IP that is selling. Like again, when it won Venice, I was like, oh, now a bunch of Batman bros have to pretend they care what Venice is. <laughs> like they don't care about it. Like any other year. Like, what's the Venice Film Festival? But this year, they're like, yes, now it matters. Yeah. Because of Joker. Yeah, the discourse will be fun. It will be super um, fun. But we'll we'll talk more extensively <laughs> about Joker, because there is a lot of stuff to get into it. And I'm, I'm excited to dig into the spoiler territory in it, because um, there is stuff to talk about with it. It's just not a film that I found particularly memorable or engaging uh, as a, like, complete, like... Uh, satisfying thematic experience yeah um so with that let's let's move on to the film that won the audience award jojo rabbit he knew that the controversy would come down the pipeline it came a lot faster than i thought it would like <laughs> it came immediately after the- it came immediately after the screening like you know we've been to screenings of big movies at tiff where the reaction is pretty unanimous like la la land it was most it was like a pretty much unanimous positivity I'd say a star is born, got that kind of unanimous positivity. And we're walking out like everyone loves this. It's going to get trashed later. And Jojo Rabbit, it arrived much faster. (laughs) It came immediately. And it was interesting. It seemed like a lot of people like from the New York contingent were just like not having this film. Yeah. And I think that one of the dividing lines of this film, and I think it's an important one, is how do you react to fascism? What if fascism in the... Nazi Germany and it's in the waning days of World War II uh, and his imaginary best friend is Adolf Hitler. And he's just like very gung-ho about being a Nazi, but he doesn't really understand what that is. And then he discovers that uh, his home is harboring a young Jewish girl played by Thomas and McKenzie. 
Um, and then he has to sort of reevaluate what his, his values are. And I think, you know, for, I read some of the sort of the negative reviews. I, you and I liked it just to, just yeah. to be clear. We liked it. I, I thought it was hilarious and I thought it was very well done. Um, but a lot, the, the issue seemed to be that the film is too nice to Nazis or like hashtag not all Nazis or like, it's not being hard enough on Nazis. And my, my, my thing about that is my counter to that is that Nazis want you to take them seriously. They want you to take them seriously, even when they're joking. So then they say something like, you know, when they make a joke about like, hang the Jews, you know, ha ha ha, or something like that, something offensive, they want to be, you know, they don't want the blowback, but they're constantly pushing their message. And a film like Jojo Rabbit is about taking the piss out of them and showing them as ridiculous, buffoonish creatures. And I don't think the film gives quarter to them. I think it shows them as horrible. Consciously PG-13. It is a film that is designed that younger viewers can watch. And I think the film is important because it sort of is trying to reach people that are kind of JoJo's age. Like, why would you find Nazism appealing? Why would you find fascism appealing without really understanding what it's about? And I think Taika Waititi did a really smart job of... Not just you know, yeah. I think fun of necessarily Nazis, understand people thinking that it was being the too nice ideology. to Nazis. Because um, to me, I mean, the entire film is told from the point of view of this ten-year-old boy, and I agree with you. I don't necessarily think that he is a Nazi. He likes to dress up in Nazi paraphernalia. He idolizes Adolf Hitler, but he's ten years old. He doesn't necessarily understand that that ideology or the politics behind it. And that's kind of the point of the film is is that, uh, you know, indoctrination can be very dangerous from a young age and instilling hate in these people's lives when they're that young then creates monsters. And how do you combat that? Like what what can you do to head that off at the pass and how kind of empathy and understanding and getting to know someone different than you um, personally one to one can change hearts and minds. Uh, and ultimately, I found it a, a pretty sweet, uplifting film. The the trailers, I, I was afraid they were gonna the film was gonna be a little too Wes Anderson-y, but it's very much Taika Waititi. Um, if you've seen Hunt for the Wilder People, it's it's a lot more like that film. Um, I think the performances all around her are really good. It's really funny. Uh, Taika is fantastic as as the imaginary version of Hitler. Um, and it's probably going to be nominated for Best Picture now because it won the People's Choice Audience Award. Nine of the last ten winners of the People's Choice Award at TIFF have gone on to at least be nominated for Best Picture. Last year's People's Choice Award winner was Green Book. That movie won. Other People's Choice winners were 12 Years a Slave and um, King's Speech. And in recent years, the Toronto People's Choice Award has gone to divisive films. Uh, so last year was Green Book. Green Book is a movie that Matt and I both skipped it, Tiff, because it sounded pretty pedestrian and boring. <laughs> and obviously that movie went on to be really divisive. The year before last, Three Billboards won the People's Choice Award. That movie was also incredibly divisive among critics and, and people. So the Toronto people just love messing with the critics, don't they? They really do. Yeah. Like, I, I thought like, oh, maybe they'll pick Knives Out. That's a crowd pleaser. <laughs> Um, no, they did not. Um, and you know what? Like, here's the thing. I don't think like discourse is inherently bad. I'm yeah. just like with Jojo rabbit, like brace yourself for it now. Just brace yourself. Um, I would say, try to go into it with an open <laughs> mind. I say that after having just told you why it's great, but I would say, 
the thing I will say with jo- jo- Jojo Rabbit, and again, we'll probably it's a film we'll probably discuss that if you're a ten year old person, ten year old boy or girl, right now you can go on the internet, you can go on YouTube and watch a lot of fascist propaganda. You can just do it right now on YouTube, like hate speech sells. Um, and for all their things about cracking down on hate speech, YouTube doesn't really remove that shit. So I don't really see the problem with Taika Waititi saying, oh, you want to do that? Okay, well, I'm going to release a major movie that's fucking hilarious and highly produced showing why you're a bunch of fucking buffoons. And I think Ghouls will organize screenings to it, but it's, it's definitely knows its audience. And I think it is a film that's about... You yeah, know, YTT very shutting down. This hatred, is not an R-rated film. There's not much strong language. There's not even much graphic violence or anything. And maybe that was part of the reason why people were upset. But you and I were talking like there have been a t- serious and grim, and those movies exist. So Taika is kind of doing something a little different with that format here to maybe reach a different audience in a different way. Uh, and I'm of the opinion that Jojo Rabbit could be a movie that you could show in schools uh, to teach empathy. And, you know, as part of, a, you know, World War II studies or Holocaust studies um, are uh, very Yes. Stuff. Um, but another film I want to move on to, because there's a lot of lot of good ones to talk about, is Marriage Story. I was looking forward to it, but I was also kind of dreading it uh, because I am a child of divorce and I am married now. Um, and the film by uh, Noah Baumbach is that it's it's a marriage at its end. That's the thing. Like it's Driver and Scarlett Johansson who are beginning divorce proceedings and the film is about the divorce, but it's done in a way that I feel is very, it doesn't feel like Kramer versus Kramer. It feels more like both of these people have a real stake in this. No one is really the villain, but it, it, it is no, a I didn't either. I was kind of racing for that. Uh, really it's a very palatable way, uh, divorce drama. It's not a, it like, is I very much like a divorce drama. I mean, it begins it doesn't with feel a couple like a dirge. in. Uh, it's just it really they're meeting with like a mediator, so they already have the intention is, but it of divorcing. Feel like it's punishing and the story of the film is just the process that of that way. divorce. So negotiating. Okay, where are we going to raise the kid, and how often are you going to have the kid, and what kind of custody are we going to do? Um, and those are very realistic things. This film, I am also a child of divorce. This film felt very true to me. Um, and I think it, it illuminates how the divorce process can bring out the worst in people. And I think the secret sauce to the film is that Bombach never loses sight of the fact that these two people at one point loved each other very, very much. Um, and that's why they got married. And that makes it all the more devastating, uh, there are so many moments in this movie that just made me well up with emotion, and that's due in large part to the performances by Driver and Johansson. Uh, they're both tremendous. It's the best performance of Adam Driver's career, which is saying something. Uh, I think it might be the best performance of Scarlett Johansson's career as well. Uh, Laura Dern is incredible in this movie. Ray Liotta, Alan Alda are both fantastic in this movie. The performances are just astounding. Um there's just not a false note in this movie. And I'm someone who's a little mixed on Bombach stuff. Like, uh, Squid and the Whale, all right. You know, Greenberg just felt 
his early films just felt so doom and gloomy and grim and fatalist. And I really liked when he got with Greta Gerwig and started making movies like Francis Ha and um, uh, While We're Young, kind of like fun-loving movies. Uh, and I like the Myrit stories a lot too. This one is a really great bridge between something like Greenberg, which is very serious and very dramatic, and something like While We're Young, which which captures the the kind of joy of living life um, while not ignoring uh, kind of the, the the darker and more troubling aspects of life. This is a major Oscar contender all around. Uh, and I, I think it's a movie that people are going to be talking about for a long time. Yeah, I do as well. And I also think that the only sort of hurdle it has, I would say, in terms of its viewing experience, is it's a Netflix movie. It feels like the film, like, it will get a theatrical release, like a limited theatrical release. And I would encourage you to see it that way, because I think it's the kind of film you just need to sit down with and give yourself over to it. Because it's if you're watching it at home, you're probably going to want to hit the escape hatch at some points. I'm not going to lie. There's going to be somebody like, oh, this scene's kind of hard to watch. Why don't I hit pause and dick around on my phone for a little bit? And I think when you do that, you kind of lose the momentum and the pacing and, and sort of being drawn into this story. So, you know, again, you know, Netflix, you know, there's some movies where I'm like, that is a good fit for Netflix. That's a good film to watch at home. And just like when they release a romantic comedy, I'm like, that's fine. That's you know, enjoy it at home. Like, yeah, I wholeheartedly Marriage Story, agree. kind it's of not, like Roma. Like you said, it's not a movie that's like, like super hard to watch. And it's, like, it's not even necessarily it. as uh, you know, kind of glacial as Roma you know, is. But I, I mean, part it's two part people talking for two hours. And but it's not the social network. If you can see like, Marriage Story, it's kind of thrilling, like backstabbing kind of thing. It's just humans being human. And in today's day and age, it's very easy to just be like, I'm going to go on Twitter during this kind of fallow period in the narrative uh and and i think it's it's very important to be kind of wholly wrapped up in this story yes you are not ready for how much fun you were going to have watching this movie <laughs> yeah i agree um, okay, let's move on to what I think is the biggest crowd pleaser of TIFF, or at least what, the one we, uh, that we saw, Knives Out. Not, Knives Out is so much freaking fun. Um, it's... Yeah, it's... Yeah, I can't even... I don't even really know where to begin. I guess the thing about Knives Out and the thing that worries me about it is that it's like, do, are people, do people want to see like a, basically... Ryan Johnson spin on an Agatha Christie story. Um, is there a market? Um, and you, you said something really interesting and I, and you, uh, as we left the film, yeah, which is that people want to see a crowd pleaser that isn't based on existing IP. <laughs> like people go to that movie. They will have fun with it. If you can, I, I honestly, I think if people can get in the door for knives out, they're going to have just as much fun 
at this kind of movie as they would at like fucking Hobbs yeah, and Shaw. Yeah, it's the most fun I've had in a theater. Yeah, actually, all year I would long. say, way and yes, more that fun, includes like, like Avengers Endgame, like, oh, oh, Spider Man, whatever. Like, um, how do you say no to that? I would say, like, so Hobbs and, like, and Shaw is like, a out is just, brain kind of fun movie where you're just like, oh, yeah, that can't happen. You know, oh, this little dramatic scene is kind of silly, but I'll just wait till they start punching each other again. It's fine. It's it's all in good fun. Knives Out is the kind of movie where you don't want to turn off your brain because you want to try and figure out who the murderer is and how this happened and what's going to happen. Uh, it is crafted with such precision and meticulous skill. There's not a single scene that feels out of place. There's not a single moment where you're like, oh, I can get up and go to the bathroom now because nothing's really happening. Because from the moment the movie begins, and it begins after the murder happens, um, you are racking your brain trying to figure out how it happened and who did it. And then the like added bonus is that this entire cast is like a murderer's row, not only of just great performers, but great performers playing against type. Like Michael Shannon is playing a much more mild-mannered character than he plays in the past. Uh, Chris Evans is playing a dick, which is very fun, uh, as anyone who's seen Scott Pilgrim versus the World knows. Um, Anna de Armas is is really terrific in the film. Uh, the entire cast is so much fun. And the fun of the film is just following along and letting these revelations kind of wash over you because there are a ton of twists and turns in the movie. Uh, and I would suggest you not watch any more trailers or anything. Just go in as cold as possible. Not just for like, oh, it doesn't work if I know the twist. I came out of this movie i wanted to see it immediately again it's because it's so much fun because all of the dialogue is so whip smart and everyone is just popping off one another there are so many jokes uh we were at the world premiere of it which granted is you know a bit of a uh you know obviously this crowd would enjoy it but there were a ton of applause breaks there were like people were just howling with laughter it's really fun so i would suggest going to see this opening night go and see it opening weekend i now understand why it's coming out on thanksgiving take the whole family there's nothing super inappropriate about the movie uh you know there's a, a little bit of foul language but it's pretty much a a, a fairly all ages movie aside from you know the murder teens and up come on if it was eight years old <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, teens and up, sure. But, uh, I, I meant whole family. Like if you are a teenager, take your parents, uh, cause they will also really Te- enjoy it. Uh, Te- teens and up, <laughs> teens and up. There's, you don't make me give away one of the, one of my favorite jokes about, about the little, about, uh, Jaden Martell's character. Yeah. Right. Yeah, no, it's definitely Thanksgiving is a good time. It's also just so just, purely entertaining. If it doesn't like, succeed, it's not a movie it, that yes. I don't know if you can blame Lionsgate or if you can just blame the audience because yeah. the film is the goods. It, it the film is the it real has deal. Some and honestly, when, when playing with people are like, I don't see Ryan enough Johnson, original films. You know, has you know, his what fun, happened to original uh, films? Kind of like, well, Knives Out is one. Go see it or shut up. Murder mystery genre. But there's no like it's not a super weighty, heavy, thematic, driven drama. Like it's just like literally at the world premiere, Ryan Johnson ran on stage and yelled to the audience, "Are you guys ready to watch a fun movie?" And that's what I would describe it as—a fun movie, just a movie to have fun with, to kick back and enjoy. 
and one in which you don't have to turn your brain off to enjoy it like Hobbs and Shaw or you know other blockbusters that are like oh you know women like it when there's a love story so just add a couple of scenes that are pretty boring but we'll just pretend like they're in love or whatever this thing is it's just perfect Yes. Yeah, it's a really fun film. I can't wait to to see it again. Um, okay, so and another I actually kind of want to talk about another really fun movie that we saw, which is Ford v Ferrari. Yeah. Um, I am not like a car guy. Um, but I was riveted by this film. And yeah. I, 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 yeah. it's not it's like I'm a, like, ooh, I really care about, it's formulaic, you know, predictable, and so, so much fun. Or, uh, ooh, and that's what it is. Ford you've, you've seen a lot of movies like, like I, this, I don't care but this is one stuff. of those movies but that's executed James James really, like really well uh, from a craft level, from a performance level. It's like two and a half hours long and it felt like it was like an hour 40 tops. It breezes by and Christian Bale and Matt Damon are both terrific in it. I've been describing it as the daddest dad movie that ever dadded. Um, and I don't mean that as a knock at all, uh, but dads will love this movie. <laughs> kind of, though. He's not. He's Welsh, so it's not a Welsh accent. He's using. Yeah, it's. It has one of my favorite yes, Christian Bale exactly performances. I think said. in part because he's just using his own voice, which is just really un. Oi, I'm Batman, isn't it? It's not a Welsh accent, but it's close <laughs> enough. It's every time, like you know, he does. You know, he's Dick Cheney. He's Batman, and then like you see him in interviews, he's like, "Oh, what's your audition?" And you're like, "Oh, that's what you sound like." That's that's my Christian Bale. Oi, what's your audition? That's what he sounds like. And uh, if you don't look. Oh, I'm Batman, I am. <laughs> yeah. This is just now us doing shitty Christian Bale impressions. That's the show. That's the show now. Um, no, I thought it was a really good imp- performance by him. I thought Damon was great. Tracy Letts is great. Yeah, super um, thrilling. And just, but and, it is. It's a film uh, yeah, that, this like, is the next really movie from the guy who made States. Logan, so... And probably that's enough to get you interested. Phenomenal. Like, really, like, up there with, like, Rush, um, just you really pulls you into the action... Uh, and yeah. lets you sort of feel the speed at which these these cars are going. Uh, I think there's a big one that we haven't discussed. I don't think mm, uh, I was going to say yes. Hustlers. So, yeah, I would say Ford seen. v. Ferrari is I mean, this November, <laughs> you're going to have some really yeah. good options about fun movies to see. I did um, see I kind of want to shift. Um, are there any more major titles <laughs> yes. that we want to talk about? Strippers so hot that uh, they made the projection Parasite? overheat. I have not seen. Yeah, because I think Hustlers a, is a movie that a lot of people are talking oh, about. Oh, because I haven't. Seen, oh, that's right. You uh, did and see it. it is, and then like my screening was canceled fun. because um, this is the, the projection stripper movie uh, based on a true story about a group of strippers who, after the. Um, Housing crisis yeah. and we'll uh, talk about stock market for a bit. Then crash we'll talk about Parasite of we'll, 2008 we'll talk about had to get creative things. in terms of how they were going to make their money. Uh, 
this movie is a lot more like Goodfellas than it is like Magic Mike XXL. And I think that's a very good thing. Uh, Jennifer Lopez plays kind of like the the, the mentor figure. Um, and she's really terrific. And then Constance Wu is kind of the young up-and-comer. Uh, so like the Ray Liotta role in Goodfellas. Um, and it's just like – it's a really well-directed by Lawrence Kafaria, um, a kind of like crime thriller. Um, and I think it, it – you can see the very discernible difference in a woman directing a movie about strippers compared to a man's version of this movie. There is no male gaze at all. Um, Jennifer Lopez has a uh, really terrific pole dancing sequence to set to Fiona Apple's criminal, which is incredible. But I like the way that it's shot. The most striking thing about it is you're just wowed by her athletic ability and what she can do on that pole. Uh, and I thought that was just really refreshing. Like it doesn't the the movie doesn't feel gross or dirty. Um, it's really treating these women as characters, and it's just it's a lot of fun. Like the needle drops are perfect, uh, and that's very hard to do, as you've seen from a lot of movies in the wake of Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> Other movies trying to be like, oh yeah, people like rock and songs, so let's let's pop some. Uh, movies in the wake of goodfellas uh yeah um so it's a ton of fun i mean it came out last weekend and uh you some of you have probably already seen it there's oscar buzz for jennifer lopez uh we'll see if that pans out or not but i recommend it i i had a lot of fun with it or movies in the wake of goodfellas for that matter yeah Yeah, I'm, it's definitely a film I'm looking forward to. Yeah. Um, a film that I definitely want to talk about uh, as, a, as one of the more... It was a screen that was really packed, hard to get into, was Bong Joon-ho's Parasite, which won the Palme d'Or at Cannes. Now, not every year, you know, almost every year, the, the Palme d'Or winner usually shows up at yeah. TIFF uh, in some way. But they don't always get the same level of attention. Um, it's like, oh, that one, like, like last year, like shoplifters was, was at TIFF and I'm, people did go see it and people did like it. And that was the Palme d'Or winner for 2018. But Parasite is like a thing. Parasite is a film that are like, oh, wow. Cause, cause Bong Joon-ho has been around for a little while now and people love his movies and he did so for him to win this prestigious award, but he did it with a film that is still very much like in his wheelhouse of like, he is a director that is very concerned with class and you can see that in Snowpiercer. You can see that with, and, and also like with economic systems you can see that with Okja, Okja. Um, you can see that with the, some of his other films as well. Uh, and so Parasite is the story of basically this family of squatters who con their way into the lives of a wealthy family uh, in Seoul, South Korea and sort of, you know, like, oh, I guess they are the parasite. But no, there are some twists and turns that I will not spoil here. It's just, it's a film that dances between tragedy and comedy in such a effortless, graceful way that I was just constantly amazed yeah. at the yeah. way uh, he was The able direction to is absolutely really incredible, as are the performances. And of, it's, the tone it's as potent is, and is complete uh, and it never you know, feels a film like about economic like, inequality as I've amazing, ever seen. 
I would say. It's weird to say like the director uh, because it toes that line between but that, I mean, the, the tone of the film so should well. be all over the place, and, and it's, it's immaculate. I love the way he kind of plays with the audience in terms of like changing your allegiances, changing what you think about these characters and how you think about these characters, and then considering why did you think how you thought about these characters. Um, it's just it's it's a masterpiece. I think it, it's my favorite film of his that I've seen. And uh, I think it's going to be it, it is also going to be a very huge deal this year. It was one of the hottest tickets at TIFF, which is saying something considering it already played at Cannes. Um, but it was also one of the hottest tickets at the Telluride Film Festival. And I think it's going to ride that all the way through Oscar season. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a must see film. It's very relevant. Yeah, don't watch any of the trailers um, or any more trailers or, or really read it. anything about it. We um, haven't I, I, just, anything. I don't want to talk about it too uh, we much. We just give you the very basic logline, and that's all I knew going into it. Power, and that's not kind of all you power, need to know. It's a film where it's like I I always like wondered what what was going to happen next. You know what? Because once you think you've got the film figured out, it kind of throws you for a loop. Um. I don't necessarily know if it qualifies as like a smaller film, but I really liked Uncut Gems, which is the yeah. new Safdie Brothers film. So uh, then, um, then there are a couple of smaller films. And I did not like we just kind of want to plug real. And I know that I am in the minority um, on that one. Adam, but, uh, what, what was the sign of a smaller I, film? I think Adam Sandler gives kind of his best performance since Punch Drunk Love. Matt disagrees, but I didn't like him as much as. Uh, in my road stories as uh as matt did but uh regardless i think it's a really terrific performance mm. uh it's a very itchy anxious tense field filled movie um it's i it's kind of like watching scott's tots for two hours <laughs> in terms of the anxiety it induces in you the viewer uh he's uh you know a jewelry store owner and he has to get a certain amount of money by a certain time and there's a ticking clock going and he's wheeling and dealing all over new york city and uh it's 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 a Southie brothers movie um but shot by um uh darius kanji i think the cinematography is really impressive in that one so i liked that movie quite a bit <laughs> yeah it didn't work quite as well for me it kind of wore me out after a while i was just like yes just people yelling at each other for two hours that's it's quite a lot um but there were parts of it i liked i thought it like sandler was perfectly cast for the role um but, uh, yeah, it, it's a film that took a lot out of me. Uh, a film that I want to draw attention to and got picked up by Amazon was Sound of Metal with uh, Riz Ahmed, who plays a drummer who is losing his hearing. And I was just, it was, it had, I mean, I like Riz Ahmed. Uh, the director, Darius Marber, was the screenwriter of Place Beyond the Pines. Um, or was it Blue Valentine? He works with, or maybe both. He's worked with Derek C. on France a lot. Um, and it's just, but this was his directorial debut. And it's just a really powerful, moving film that uses sound in an incredible way. Um, as this character played by Riz Ahmed, it's sort of the film kind of 
is very clever with the way it plays with sound perspective. So, you know, the perspective of him with his sort of losing his hearing and then we'll sort of pull back to like objectively what should this sound like and then how he interprets it and this the struggle to sort of you're watching this person learn to be deaf. Like what does that mean especially if you're a musician and and what does what does it mean for the life you thought you were going to have when suddenly you wake up one morning and you're you should also probably touch on is, the lighthouse king of people yelling gone. at each other um <laughs> it's a pretty it's a powerful story uh, uh, uh really it's the new film from robert eggers who wrote directed uh, i was just i wasn't really uh, it's black and i didn't white, know what to expect with this film going uh, in, presented really an academy ratio so I, I, uh, robert pattinson really and willem dafoe as the only two characters the entire movie uh, who were just manning a lighthouse and slowly go crazy yeah. and just drunkenly yell at each lobster. other <laughs> in maritime language. It's it's a lot. I, d- I still don't know if I liked the movie or not. Uh, it's it's metaphorical, obviously. Uh, maybe not obviously, but you'll you'll know pretty quickly that it's metaphorical. What it what it's all adding up to, uh, I'm still not entirely sure. But it's uh, a lot. It's a thing to watch. <laughs> the performances are good. They're just it's a lot. I will say this. I don't even, I don't, I kind of am lukewarm on the film, but I'm very glad that Eggers made it. Like he basically had a lot of power coming off the the success of the witch and he used it to make the weirdest fucking film he could. Um, yeah. It's the kind of thing. It's like, yes, yeah. if, if someone is going one. to make an independent film that a studio is going to give them a lot of leeway on and yes. you're going to get Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe to star in it, make this movie like go for just, Swing for the fences, you know, Robert Eggers. And, and so I, well, I don't think it completely works. I, I like that it exists. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's let's talk Oscars. Yeah, yeah there's Little Women. Uh, um, was it 1917? It's funny, that you know, we're, we're done with this film. Now, and uh, when which you look only just the wrapped shooting, which is insane to me. Year, there aren't that many sort um, of high-profile... Tom Hooper's Cats. ...potential obviously. Oscar contenders. Or the Irishman. films that look like Tom Hooper's they are. Cats going to be in the Oscar race like maybe four or five eh, maybe yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah the Irishman Tom Hooper's caps um, Dark Waters the new Todd Haynes film maybe four and a half <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, they yeah, are very it's, good it's, at it. It's most um, of the big films, you know, they have a pretty tried and true formula, and, and they usually know, have at least one said, nomination, kind of uh, if not a the win. Race. They won for *Shape of Water*. Um, I would say not only the yeah, fact that it won People's Choice Award um, because its studio is so. Yeah, I would say *Jojo Rabbit* is probably the the the. It's a surefire Best Picture nominee, unless for some reason they break from tradition this year and, and the people's choice award winner doesn't get a nomination. Uh, I think parasite is a major contender, uh, in best picture, best director, best screenplay, um, possibly performances. Um, I think that Joker, 
I'm I'm curious about Joker. Obviously, walking I think Walking Phoenix is absolutely in the best actor conversation, if not the front runner, to win right now. Uh, they love a good transformational performance, and he is genuinely very good at it. Um, the film itself. I'm curious to see what the reaction is. I think it kind of depends on what the tone of the conversation is over the next few months. Um, not necessarily in terms of like, is the movie good or bad? Because obviously, as we saw with Bohemian Rhapsody and Green Book, those conversations don't seem to matter uh, to the Academy anymore. Um, but in terms of the film's violence, uh, in terms of its messaging, uh, even though I didn't really get a clear-cut message from it, some people are drawing some uh, uh, dangerous conclusions from the film. And if that uh, kind of overwhelms the film itself. I can see the Academy kind of uh, uh, shirking away from it, but uh, but it could be a contender in, in some of the craft categories. Um, you know, who knows? Maybe Todd Phillips gets a Best Director nomination. Um, so I think that's that's it's a possibility. I think Ford v Ferrari is also a possibility. Uh, kind of depends on how the rest of the year shakes out. But you know. Damon and Bale, I think, are are pretty sure bets for nominations. I'll be curious to see if they submit Bale in Best Supporting Actor, even though he's the co-lead. Uh, Damon gets top billing in the film, and he opens and closes the film. So um, I think the, there's a case to be made that they could possibly submit him in Best Supporting. And if they do that, I think he'll be hard to beat. Um, but if they go Best Actor, uh, you know, um, that, that'll kind of shake up that race a little bit. But... James Mangold could be in Best Director for that one, and that one's going to be a big player in the craft categories, especially sound, um, possibly cinematography, production design, score, uh, kind of all around there. Um, it's a little bit old-fashioned, so I'll be here to see if that is held against it. Um, so, you know, that's one to keep an eye on as well. I think Marriage Story is honestly probably the biggest Oscar contender to come out of TIFF, uh, just in terms of the... Uh, sheer wattage of, uh, of kind of the heft of it as a contender. I think it's a player in Best Picture, Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Director, Best Screenplay. Um, you know, it, it's just tremendous all across the board. It feels like the kind of movie that actors love because it's a real great acting showcase. I think if Joaquin Phoenix is, you know, tops in the Best Actor conversation right now, Adam Driver is right there with him, nip it at his heels. Um, you know, I think Driver gives the better performance, but Phoenix's is flashier. Uh, so that might be curious to see how that plays out. Um, but that one, I think, is a, a very major contender. Um, what am I missing? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I like Just Mercy a lot more than it seems like most other people uh, well, did. So that could end up being like kind of a nothing. Sort of but I think Jamie Foxx like gives a really great performance Mercy. there, so he could like, be a contending supporting actor. A beautiful, beautiful day in the, in the neighborhood. neighborhood. I'm forgetting like, I saw films that, movie. that like they got an okay boost uh, it's from Marielle Tiff, Heller, they didn't, who like, did Kenny, which is very good, and her direction is very good. It's not a straightforward Mr. Rogers biopic. It's it's kind of. The whole movie is kind of presented as if it is an episode of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Um, Hanks is good in it. Uh, it, He's definitely supporting. It's Matthew Reese's film. He's the lead character in the movie as a journalist who's been hired to profile Mr. Rogers. Uh, But Hanks has not been nominated for an Oscar since Castaway in 2000. So is this the one that finally... Yeah. No, he just apparently murdered all of the 
puppies of all the Academy members or something. Yeah. <laughs> no idea. Um, that one, uh, you know, I'll be curious to see how that. Despite being out. amazing and like Captain Phillips and Bridge of Spies, and it's, like, it's not like Tom uh, Hanks like stops giving good performances. <laughs> Judy is another film that had a, a so-so response, but Renee Zellweger is apparently a just poured sugar in all their tomorrow. gas tanks one day. <laughs> um, but uh, she's, you know, according to many pundits, <laughs> the frontrunner to win Best Actress this year uh, for her performance is Judy Garland. Um, and then Hustlers, I mean. Jennifer Lopez, supporting actress, sure. Like, I think she's very good in the film. I think uh, people have won for far less impressive performances, so why not throw her in there? Um, Dolomite is my name is a Netflix movie. It's it's Eddie Murphy's comeback. He's good in it. I don't know if it's if the film itself is good enough or the performance of his is flashy enough to get him in the best actor conversation because it is very much a straightforward comedy. It doesn't really delve into the interior life of uh, the central figure. And uh, I mean you talk about quote-unquote Oscar scenes. I'm not sure there is one in that movie. He's funny throughout the whole film and there are a couple of quieter moments but there, there are no big quote-unquote Oscar scenes in that one I don't think. Yeah, I think uh, Pain and Glory, the new Pedro Almodovar film, uh, is probably in tender in, in Best International Film. And I think Antonio Banderas yeah, is really probably more a contender in Best Actor. He gives a really great Murphy, performance. Which I think is it's fine. A, I, don't think, a, I don't think the film will be It's a semi-autobiographical a film about of, you know, Almodovar's life. And uh, it's really well constructed. I, I was pleasantly surprised by that one. I liked it a lot. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, we're getting kind of, even though we're, we're only in mid September, we're getting kind of a clearer picture of, of where the Oscar race stands because really there are only four films that could really upend it. Yeah. Same I mean? with that Astra. There I don't films know why they that, didn't like, bring for that instance, like, uh, other than the, the fact, fact that the King gave it to Timothy Chalamet, the fact that it didn't really make waves at Venice and didn't even come to TIFF says you don't really need to, pay attention to that one for Oscar season. Like, it's just kind of like, I'm looking forward to it, but as an Oscar contender, it's kind of done. I, it's really baffling. I will say that Ad Astra is, (laughs) it's a lot like first man in some ways. It's very like, its char- its main character is very stoic, and it's a very like Pitt is amazing, but it's a very similar yeah, performance to what Ryan sense. Gosling did, which is it's very internal, it's very it's very quiet, it's very about you know looking at you know on his face rather than sure. big acting moments. Um, it's the kind of performance that is great that also the Academy does not recognize because the Academy tends to recognize most acting instead of best acting. So, um, like Ad Astra is like, I think it's a great film, but I can also yeah. understand like why it's not cool. in the, going to be in the Oscar race. Like if I'm 20th century Fox, I would be more comfortable putting my chips on a crowd pleaser, like Ford V Ferrari, which is like very accessible, fun performances. Um, it's the kind of film that like, it may not be particularly deep, but boy, is it like well-made. 
Cool. So, um, yeah, so that's sort of where we stand post TIFF. Um, we are going to save recently watched and, uh, reader hot takes for our next episode. I'll give you three two. in order. Um, just cause, uh, number one, undoubtedly one knives. Uh, so, uh, just uh, we hope you enjoy listening to our thoughts movie. about this year's uh, number two marriage story. I guess I'll, I'll throw one more me. question at you, Adam. You and I what also your sat favorite next to each other that movie. And in most of the screenings, before we started to talk about the world, you get up and you walk out because you've got to get to your next screening or whatever. And we just kind of sat there. All right. Okay. You just can't. You just can't. It's just really hard. Yeah. Um, and then number three, I'd say Parasite. Yeah. I got it for shotgun. At Adam Chitwood. Yeah, you know, that's the that's the same top three I have. God damn it! <laughs> damn it! All right, <laughs> all right. Well, thank you all so much for listening. If you want to keep up with this podcast, you should follow us on Twitter. Adam, where can you find you on Twitter? And you can find me at Matt Goldberg. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back with you next week. Actually, we'll be back with you even sooner than that because we're going to be talking about it, Chapter Two, later this week. So stay tuned for that. <laughs>